Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. So this morning, I have a very, hopefully, I think, in my head anyway, simple message. I, I, it is a simple message that I want to share with you today. We're, we're continuing our DNA series. And um, we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about the the Word of God, the Word of God. That's the Bible. Um, and and here, here's how I, I guess I'll, I'll frame this and start this. Do you ever have uh, maybe a, a parent or a grandmother or an aunt or uncle or something, and they and they there was a story. Do you remember as kids having a story or a poem or like a, a, a nursery rhyme or something that that someone would always always read to you or share with you. Do any of you have memories like that, of things like that? Or, man, this story was always read. When I was a kid, this is a story I remember. You guys have anything like that? Yeah. I, I have one like that that I remember my, my mom would read to, to us when we were kids, and, and then my, my grandmother had this, had this poem memorized. And, and this poem, maybe you've heard it, um, was one that we would hear often as children. And it came to mind this week as I was preparing to, to speak with you all on this, on this topic. And it's, it's a poem by, by Robert Frost called The Road Not Taken. Are you familiar with it? Some of you might know it. It's pretty popular. It goes like this. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as far as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. And I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I took the road less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Often, as you know, in life, we're presented with choices, just like this poem describes. We can go that way or this way. I can choose this relationship or this one. I can choose this career opportunity or this one. And we're given choices, and often we make one choice, and it leads us down a certain path. The other one might take us in a completely different direction. We don't know. We really only know uh, which path we decided to choose. And as Robert Frost discovers in this poem, he could have made the choice that it seemed like most other people were making. He could have taken the, the, the better worn path, the one that had a clearer way of going on ahead. It was easy to see how you travel by that road, but something stirred him to take a different path than most. And he discovered, as we read at the end of the poem, he discovered that walking a different way made all the difference in his life. 
walking a less worn path, something that wasn't obvious, something that wasn't as popular, walking that way made all the difference in his life. We're continuing this series this fall, DNA, uh, learning about how, how we are, who we are. What are the, the things that make us unique as a, as a church movement, and, and what do we value? And, and today we're talking about our value for the Word of God, the Scriptures, the Bible. And just as we've talked about lost people matter to God and he wants them found, and, and we're called to live life together in gospel community, we are also a people who believe that knowing and obeying God's word, the Bible, is fundamental for all true success. Fundamental. And, and if we're going to be people who are truly successful, if we're going to walk a path that makes all the difference, or as the Bible describes it, if we're going to be truly blessed, then we need to follow the teachings of God found in Scripture. Now, it's one thing to say that, yes, we need to follow the teachings of the Bible. That sounds like something. If you're in a church building, you probably are going to say, yeah, that's totally what we should do. Um, but that's quite another thing to practice it, isn't it? Quite another thing to practice uh, following what the Bible says. Did you know, believe it or not, most people uh, in society find the Bible very interesting, but they don't practice it. Several years ago, the History Channel had a mini-series uh, on the Bible. Maybe, maybe you saw it. It, it, it. I think it was in like 2013 it was on. Uh, it was a series called The Bible on the History Channel. The premiere episode of this series, get this, it had 13.1 million viewers. And it was the highest viewed non-sporting event that year in 2013. Pretty incredible. A lot of people are very interested in the Bible. Now, according to research that was done later that year, at that time, 2013, uh, 83% of Americans owned a Bible. 83%. And on average, American Bible owners had 3.5 Bibles in their home. I don't know who's got half a Bible laying around, but statisticians seem to think that's possible. So they, they on average... Of the 83% of Americans who had a Bible, they didn't just have a Bible. They had 3.5 Bibles. So somewhere between three and four Bibles. And even this, get this, those who said they had no faith at all or, or identified themselves as atheists, nearly 60% of them reported owning a Bible. People find the Bible interesting. Whether you follow Jesus or not, it's impossible to deny how the Bible has influenced Western civilization for about 2,000 years. People are interested in what the Bible said, very interested especially in Jesus and his teachings. But here was the most striking thing to me about this research. Those in the 18 to 28-year-old bracket. They were more likely than any other age group to say that they were interested in the Bible's wisdom on some particular topics, such as dealing with illness and death, addressing family conflict, parenting, romance and sexuality, dating and relationships, the influence of technology, dealing with divorce. They were very, very interested, more so than any other age group, on knowing what the Bible had to say on these topics. But at the same time, they were also the least likely group to actually read the Bible. 
more interested and curious about the wisdom, least likely to actually pick it up and read it. That's fascinating to me. We, we are very interested in the Bible, but not necessarily interested in reading the Bible, and even more probably less interested in learning to walk out the wisdom of the Bible. And this brings us back to Robert Frost. The, the poet describes taking a road less traveled, which has made all of the difference. He found success by going a way that few have taken. And it's the same for us when it comes to reading the scriptures and living out the wisdom of the Bible. Here's the truth for us. We are blessed when we take the road less traveled. We're blessed when we take the road less traveled. Now, when you hear the word blessed in the Bible, this is the Bible's way of talking about being successful, being prosperous, having a healthy welfare and good life and good soul and, and, and good wisdom, and, and you just have things going for you. When the Bible talks about being blessed, it, it can't get better than being blessed. Sometimes it's, it's translated into English as happy. Happiness is kind of a funny thing to chase because it's a feeling that changes with time. But if you were to chase something that looked like happiness, blessed would be the way the Bible describes that. Live a life full, fruitful, prosperous. Taking the road less traveled. Uh, reading, taking the road of reading the scriptures, uh, understanding the scriptures, understanding the wisdom, letting God change our lives in accordance with what the scriptures are teaching. Let them inform and shape and form our life. When we do that, we are blessed. And we experience true success. So I want to read another poem. It's a song, actually. Uh, but the, the lyrics, or excuse me, the melody's been lost a long time ago. And, and, and this poem, these lyrics, describe these two paths. They describe the, the path of someone who travels the road less traveled. And, and, and it is the road of letting their lives be informed by the scripture. And it also is going to talk about another path, another road. And, and it is the road of those who choose not to. Let their lives be shaped and formed by the scriptures. And in this passage, this uh, song that I'm talking about is Psalm 1. So if you have a Bible, would you open with me to Psalm 1? You can open it up in a Bible app if you prefer that. Psalm 1. It's right before Psalm 2. <laughs> and let's read this. I'm going to read this in a little bit of a different translation than I, I really uh, usually do. Let's read this. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But those, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prosper. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, 
nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's pray. Jesus, as we've been in your presence all morning, I ask that it would be no different now. Would you meet with us as we look at your word and what your word says about your word? Change us from the inside out. Continue to meet us in that tender way you have. Amen. So the Psalms that we just read, the first Psalm of, uh, this was Israel's songbook. This was the ancient songbook of Israel. If there was a top 150 hits chart in ancient Israel, this was it. These were the songs of their people. If you wanted to hear something on Israeli radio, they didn't have radio back 3,000 years ago, but if you were going to listen to the radio, this is what would be on. This was the songs of worship. This was not only songs of worship, this was the prayer book of the people. You know they would sing their prayers. And from the youngest to the oldest, they would have all 150 psalms memorized. Now you go like, that sounds insane, but how many songs do you know off the top of your head? You know a lot of songs, right? You can just pick up and start singing songs. These were all songs. We've unfortunately lost the melodies, and they probably wouldn't be very catchy because music is very different from culture to culture and, and the way that different scales that, that, uh, that are used and stuff like that, different musical scales are, are very different in different cultures. But for them, these would have been catchy songs, memorable songs, and they would have had this entire book memorized. It's like one of the largest books in the entire Bible, and it's songs. It's music. How cool is that? As a musician, I think that's awesome. I think that's so cool. That, that the largest, and it's smack dab in the middle of the whole thing. And there's a reason, actually. It's not accidental that it's smack dab in the middle of the whole thing. Because the Psalms, the Psalms are essentially a meditation on the entirety of Scripture. On the Old Testament. So if you are, this is why if you were to look at something like the Anglican Book of Common Prayer, there's always morning psalms and evening psalms. And and these psalms are helping you reflect on the whole of scripture. And and so you're, you're, you're thinking about, well, why was Moses leading the people out of out of Egypt. And you know that story? There's that story in Exodus. And what was going on there? And there are psalms that are, thinking about that passage and meditating on what God was doing and how God cared for his people. And you get insights into what God was up to in reading the Psalms that are not explicitly talked about in, in the book of Exodus. And, and so it's this really interesting songbook that's helping them meditate and think on the whole of Scripture. Um, someone asked me one th- if I could only like read one book of the Bible uh, and I was like on a deserted island somewhere, what would you pick? I would pick the Psalms. Because it's essentially the entirety of scripture like densely packed into poetic form. And if you know how to, how to read them and how to pray through them and meditate on them, it's awesome. Jesus was a good, devout Jew and he would have sang his psalm prayers three times a day. In fact, it's, it's highly likely, scholars point out, that what the, the seven last statements of Jesus when he's on the cross dying, uh, scholars point out that it's highly likely he was singing a psalm. Whew, that gets me a little like choked up. Jesus dying on the cross singing a worship song. 
Isn't that amazing? So the Psalms are these densely packed uh, songs that help us meditate on the whole of Scripture. And this first Psalm, it kind of sets up the whole book of Psalms and all of the readings and the whole point of it. It sets up the whole point of what you're doing with the Psalms, which is to delight in the law of the Lord, to meditate on Scripture. Whenever you see the law of the Lord, it's just talking about the scripture, the Bible. That's what it is. Uh, it's, it, it, this is the whole point of the Psalms, and Psalm 1 is just helping us understand how to meditate deeply on scripture, how it applies to our lives, how to uh, live scripture out through the good seasons, the bad seasons, and the ugly seasons. There's some ugly Psalms. There's some Psalms that end, and there's zero resolution. Like, we don't know. It's just bad. The end. They're depressing. There are psalms that the, 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 the Jewish people are so angry that they're in captivity. There are psalms that talk about them wanting to take the Babylonian babies and smash them against the rocks. You've been that angry before, don't lie. I've been there too. And it just ends and you're like, yikes. Do we need to call someone? But, it, but it's, it's full of emotion, and they're, and they're full of raw honesty, but they're trying to process before God real-life stuff. And that's why I love the Psalms. So we're introduced in Psalm 1 to two kinds of people, two kinds of people. And they take two different paths, and one person is the wicked or the sinner or the mocker, and they have a way of life that they are living out that is opposite God and how God has designed us to live. And they, they represent one of the paths we could choose to walk down. And often this path is described as well-worn, well-trodden. It's an old, old-timey word, trodden. And the other person is, is someone in, in this psalm who's depicted as delighting in the law of the Lord. As I said, anytime you see that word law or you see the word commands or commandments or instructions or anything like that, they're all references, especially in the psalms, they're all references to, to the Bible. Especially at that time, the, the Old Testament, because that's what was written at that point. So one person in Psalm 1 isn't interested in anything uh, about the scriptures, and the other person is is interested in in letting them inform their life. Uh, one person solely focused on the scriptures, and they are finding that they are blessed, that they're full of joy, that their life is successful, that it's fruitful, and the other person is finding uh, that they're in this place of being wicked. Or, or being a mocker, or, or being someone who, who is sinning, someone who is not following God. And, and, and so this person who's blessed, uh, they're someone who has taken the road less traveled. They're, they're taking the road that is shaped not just by uh, thinking the Bible's interesting, uh, or, or that maybe it's got some things that could help me in my life, but they're the person who's actually being shaped to live their life according to its wisdom. Because they understand the Bible ultimately comes from God. Okay, so I want to be blessed like this. Do you want to be blessed like the Bible describes being blessed? If you do, how do you choose that road less traveled? How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we choose to live a life that is shaped by the scriptures? 
So here are three lessons this morning that I think we can learn from the person in Psalm 1 who takes the road less traveled. Lesson number one, delight in the scriptures. Delight in the scriptures. First, uh, this person delights in the law of the Lord. The person who is blessed delights in the law of the Lord. They're not going in the way of the mocker and the wicked and the sinner. They're delighting in the law of the Lord. The Hebrew word for delight here, it means joy, desire, pleasure, uh, something that's wanted, something that's wished for, something that we're eager for. The word for delights used by people throughout the Old Testament Uh, It's used by people to delight in all of the good things that God has given us in this world that he's made. Uh, It's used to describe God's delight towards his people, how much he loves them. It's a word that describes pure joy. You're you're thinking about the things you delight in all the time. That's, That's what this idea is. You just can't help but think about the things you delight in. That's what this word is talking about. Now, I, I had a, a favorite coffee mug uh, for several years. A good friend of mine gave it to me. And um, it, it was almost like one of those diner mugs. Uh, you know, it's like they just have like diner mugs just have like that nice weight to them. I'm the only one that probably cares about this in the room. But it's my story and I'm preaching, so I'm telling it. Um, so, so I had this amazing mug. And a year or two ago, I accidentally dropped it and broke it. And I, it's, it's been a rough, rough year and a half, guys. It's been really hard for me. So recently, um, my brother-in-law found out that, that this, I had this favorite mug, and I was like, man, I really wish I had that mug back. Or had a mug. So he found, and apparently this is hard to do because everyone's buying these in bulk for diners, but he found, like, a, he got me, like, a new, like, mug like that. It was like a diner mug, and he just gave it to me yesterday. So I, I had to get up a couple times in the night because we've got kids not sleeping. That's a whole other story for another day. Uh, and, 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 but I just every time I'd get up and I'd lay back down to go to sleep, I kept thinking, oh, I get to use my new coffee mug in the morning. That's delight. That's delight. That's like I was, in the, I was exhausted. My baby's not sleeping, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to use that coffee cup in the morning. That is delight. That's the delight we're talking about here. It's the perfect weight. It's the perfect feel. That's true desire. It's like a kid at Christmas. So what do you delight in? What, what comes to mind like that where you're like, oh, man, I can't wait? Ryan, I know it's golfing. It's golfing. We, we know tomorrow. He's taking me out for uh, uh, someone. It's a, it's a benefit event for, for Sandy's uh, son who, who passed a few years ago. And um, he's very excited about it. I'm dreading it because I'm not a good golfer. But Ryan has delight over playing golf. What do you have delight over? What, what are the things that you are just, oh, man, I can't. That's right around the corner. I can't wait. Is scripture one of those things that you would put in that category? Let, let's be honest. Uh, we, most of us, if not all of us, kind of go, not super jazzed about that. Like, okay, cool. There's some wisdom in there. Maybe I could. But it's like dense and you don't understand what's going on half the time. And you're reading it going like, I'm not like excited about this like I am my coffee mug. What's the deal? Right? It just feels like a chore. How do we delight in the scriptures? How do we do that? A lot of times, 
Here's what I have found. A lot of times we assume that delight and desire just happen. They're just gonna, boom, one day, you're just gonna suddenly desire to read the Bible. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna get zapped one day and suddenly, oh, I'm just gonna pick up my Bible and read. It doesn't work that way with anything in your life, does it? Some things we do out of necessity, but let's think about it. I really wanna start exercising, but I just don't wanna. I'm just gonna wait until I get zapped with this desire to exercise and then I'm gonna start this new routine. No, what do you do? You say, well, I'm gonna commit to it and I'm gonna start. And for all of us, maybe most of us, maybe just some of us, I don't know. After a while, you kind of begin to look forward to it, right? You get endorphins and you kind of get a a little bit of a, a healthy kind of high chemically from the endorphins going through your body when you exercise. You feel good when you exercise, right? And, and if, you, if you commit to the process regularly, you, you kind of, man, I'm kind of looking forward to this today. And you're thinking about what am I gonna do tomorrow with my new routine? Or if you're a runner, maybe I'll try that other hill. I think I could take that, that other steeper hill now or wh- whatever your thing is. But you didn't get zapped suddenly with a desire to exercise, did you? Or, or maybe you wanted to learn a new hobby or a new skill. Uh, maybe you like, uh, you think cooking could be nice. I'd like to really just be able to cook for my friends and just, just be a great cook and, and make some things. Um, some of you love to cook. I know some of you are like, I will burn everything in the kitchen, including water. Uh, but, you, but you're kind of like, you know, I, I, this is something I, I want to get into. So what do you do? Do you just wait until suddenly you're like, I've got something I can cook and I'm amazing at it? What do you do? Well, if you're me, you watch Stanley Tucci's uh, Traveling Through Italy on CNN because he's amazing. And I will watch anything that Stanley Tucci's in. He's my, he's my absolute favorite. But it, when it comes to cooking, that guy, like, oh, I'm on. So, so I was watching this cooking show on CNN. He travels Italy, and he's going to all these places. And I'm, oh, man, this is good. I'm into this. I have never been so hungry watching a cooking and food show. Like, I was starving. I had just eaten dinner, watched this show, and I'm starving. I'm start, it was so good. I highly recommend you watch this. But uh, there's this one dish in particular. He's making this pasta with zucchini, and the zucchini's been like fried, and it's like really thin in there. And I'm not going to go too far into this because I'm going to get hungry again. But I'm watching this, and I suddenly, as I've been watching this show, and we're like binge watched two seasons of this. So we're watching this, and this habit of being around this cooking show has stirred new desire in me. I have to cook this dish. Now, I didn't get zapped with the, I'm gonna cook this dish suddenly, right? I was like, let's watch that again. Let's watch that again. Let's watch. And suddenly this delight, this desire, and then I'm texting a friend of mine who had turned me on to the show in the first place. Let's get together. We're making this dish. And so a couple weeks ago, we got together. We made this dish. It was amazing. It was as good as it looked on the TV when I was trying to lick the screen because it was so good. But, but these things, delight and desire for the scriptures is the same way. It doesn't just happen. It requires some kind of regularity, some kind of commitment before the delight really begins to grow. Now, notice if you commit to a habit, there's some level of desire there already. But it's not like you're thinking about it all the time and you're really eager. That has to grow. And that leads us to lesson two. Lesson two is to regularly meditate on 
the scriptures. So the person who delights in the law of the Lord, who loves feasting on the scriptures and, and doing that, they regularly meditate on the scriptures. Delight doesn't happen overnight. Like I said, we don't get zapped with a hunger for the Bible. The things that we desire are, as I've said, they are shaped by our habits. Things that we desire are shaped by our habits. A great example, we, we read books to our kids every night, and we've done this since Harper was, I don't know, three months old. And, and we, we just read books every night, just little storybooks, things like that. And, and once in a while, we try and like pull out the kid's Bible and have them read that. They're generally not too interested. Sometimes they are, um, but generally not too interested. Well, about a month or so ago, Jillian and I have really been sensing uh, challenged by, by God to um, be more intentional with, with how we're putting things in our family's life and our schedule and our structure to just be more intentional about discipling our kids. They're starting to get to that age where we want to integrate prayer and scripture more into their lives. Even as three-year-old and a one-year-old, we want them to be around it. We want them to be familiar with it. And it's really simple prayers. It's thanking God for our meal. It's praying before our daughter gets out of the car to go into preschool and blessing her day. It's it's praying before they go to bed after we read books. It's I've committed to Every morning, I sit down with them, and we read a story. Uh, we have the little kids' Bible app on, on my iPad, and, and it's a little interactive, and it tells the story in really simple ways, and we've been reading that every single morning for several weeks. So we're doing this for about a month, and then one night, like a week or two ago, uh, the girls are picking out their books for the evening to, to read, and they're usually just getting, like, Dr. Seuss or something else, like, something that's, like, fun and interesting, right? And so Harper goes, I want to read my Bible, She's never kind of initiated that in the evening really on her own ever that I can think of. And, and she was so specific. She's like, and I want to read this story. She, she, she wanted to go to it specifically, and she wanted that to be around. And, and, and I, I said to Jillian, I said it to myself in my head, and then I said to Jillian, I'm like, this is like working. We're, we're, we're helping like frame their habits, and it's shaping their desires. And I, I just said out loud, I was like, habits shape our desires. Our habits shape our desires. What are your habits? How are they shaping your desires? How are they forming your desires, positively, negatively? We, we are desiring beings, and there are constant, we are always going to desire something. And a lot of times, uh, all the time, actually, our desires are informed by what kind of habits are coming in on the input side of things. So just like exercise or learning how to cook or whatever it might be, it's the same with Scripture. If you want to desire Scripture, delight in Scripture, you need to have a habit of meditating on Scripture. This delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, they meditate day and night. Now notice I've been saying this word, meditate on the Bible, not read the Bible. And I've been saying that very intentionally. Uh, the word meditate is used over and over again in the Old Testament in particular, and it describes how we are to ingest the Bible. We don't speed read the Bible and like get the gist and like do the Cliff Notes version. Uh, kids' Bibles are helpful to a point, but at some point, people need to read the actual words of Scripture that, that many people have done their best for us to translate into English. 
And, and, and here, here's the thing. We have to ingest the Bible, not through reading or speed reading or just getting the gist or seeing the cliff notes. We're called to meditate on the scripture. And the Hebrew word for meditate, this is what it means. It means to mutter. It means to moan. It means to scheme. It means to plot. It means to mull it over. It describes the work of a cow chewing a piece of grass over and over and over. You see those cows and they're just like, like over and over. And that's how they get the nutrients out of it. Like humans can't break that down. Cows chew and chew and chew on the same piece of grass to get every little bit of nutrients out of it. And that is the picture that we're presented with how we're supposed to ingest, if you will, the Bible, the way we're supposed to take in the Bible, not just read it, meditate on it. Day and night, there's regularity to it, day and night. You ever get really fixated on something, a problem that's bothering you, maybe it's a conflict at work or with your spouse or with something else, and and you've got the offense in your mind and you're just on the road driving and you just keep mulling it over like, I can't believe said that and you're like I've got to talk to them about this and I've got to, this is this is what they're not seeing this is what the, and you keep like and you start saying it out loud a little bit or you're kind of muttering to yourself you, you all know what I'm doing we're all crazy we, we know we do it right but you know what I'm talking about where you kind of like I don't know you're you're meditating you are muttering you are you are going over and mulling over on something and rehearsing something that's been going on but you feel miserable when you do that you might feel like a little bit of power, like I'm right, but it kind of, when it dissipates, you're just like, kind of feel gross. Now, that's meditation that leads you to feel miserable, but we're talking about a meditation that's not that different in how it comes across, but it's on the scriptures. Like imagine if you just took that one line, their delight is in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on his word day and night. What if you just took that over and over? You just start talking it and like meditating. What am I doing day and night? What am I doing that? I don't know. And you start muttering to yourself when you're driving down the road. You're meditating on the scripture day and night. And we're meant to take a lifetime to slowly chew and chew and chew and digest chunks of scripture, small chunks of scripture even, to learn what it means, to, to learn what God is saying to us through that how it connects to other things we've read in the scriptures. And it makes you wonder what else is in there. So you go back again and again and again. You hear how that, you see how that habit begins to shape your delight and your desires. This is very different from how most of us read. This is how most of us read. Hmm, cool. Oh, another breaking news story. Scrolling through, scrolling through. Oh, like, share. That's how most of us read these days, isn't it? Just got to quick scan this document. How many of you love when, when there's like a, a, a thing on, you know, the, the, the new uh, agreement, like digital like use agreement, and you, how many of you read the entire agreement before you click, I, I agree, and then you move on? None of you read that. I'd be amazed if you've read that. I want to know what it says because I've never read that. Uh, but you, like you scroll through and you read every, wait, what does this mean? Hold on, let me call my lawyer real quick. No one does it. That's not how we read these days, is it? But th- that's kind of what we do when we read the Bible. We go, that's weird. I don't know what that means. And we walk away. I'll come back tomorrow. Hmm, okay, that's interesting. Come back tomorrow. 
but we're reading it, we're not meditating on it. Do you see the difference? And so, so we have to learn how to have a practice of regularly chewing on small portions of scripture on a daily basis to let it inform how we live our lives at the deepest level. And Psalm 1 says that the person who reads scripture like that, they're like a tree. Now, think about this. This is a, an arid climate, a culture where it's really dry. I've been to Israel a couple times, and uh, in the north, it can be really beautiful. There's like groves of fruit trees and all sorts of things. But especially when you move further south, it is dry. It is desolate. It is hot. You go to where the Dead Sea is, it's actually the lowest point on earth, and it is hot. Like, you, you kind of just, like, feel it. It's like, it's a dry heat, but it doesn't matter that it's a dry heat. It's hot. It's hot. And, and in this arid place, this culture that's usually, water's a precious commodity. They're saying, anyone who's meditating on scripture like this, they're like a tree that's right on the banks of a river. And they're just, those roots are going deep down and they're just sucking the water right out of the river. And you know what? There's so much goodness and it. it's, it's connected to so much abundance that there's never, ever a lack of fruit. There's always something there. There's always something good. There's always abundance exactly when there's supposed to be. And you know what? The leaves don't ever dry up either. I have a, bunch of plants on my deck that were good to me for the summer and now it's getting cold and they're withering and dying. I hate that. Any of you garden? Don't you wish your garden would just like last year round like in that luscious stage? Well, what they're saying here, an agricultural society saying, if you meditate regularly on the scriptures like this, you will be like that plant that is luscious and fruitful year round. Drinking deep of what God is saying. Filled up every day, richly fruitful in the right season. So lesson one, we delight in the scriptures and and we delight and we grow in our delight and our desire by lesson two, regularly meditating on the scriptures. And then our third lesson for living out the scriptures and and living out and, and walking in blessing is this, lesson three, faithfully follow through on the scriptures. Now the final section of Psalm 1, it, it paints this, this picture as, as we've described. There's, there's a tree that's well watered, right? And it's fruitful. It's being, that's the person that's immersed in the scriptures. But there's another path. There's another person in this psalm. There's two paths, remember. And, and this other path, this is the person who's not looking to root their lives in the wisdom of the scriptures. And, and it says that it, they're described, these people are described to be like chaff that the wind blows away. Do you know what chaff is? It is dry, scaly kind of, you know what the best way to describe it is? Actually, I'm just thinking about this now. You, you ever have popcorn and you pop it there and there's like those little like, like scales from like the kernel of the popcorn that are in it? That's basically what chaff is. Are you going to eat that? No, it just gets stuck in your teeth when you get it out. That's kind of what chaff is. Chaff is the stuff from grain, wheat in particular. And, and, and this stuff was kind of useless. It, it just was like this light kind of immaterial 
stuff, and it's indigestible. Chaff is actually indigestible by humans. You, you, can't, you can't digest it. It's just going to come out, if I can put it that way. Chaff is not fruitful. Chaff is not the stuff that's good for us. It has no benefit to people. And what grain farmers would do in ancient Israel is they would take all the wheat after they pick it and gather it. They would take it to the threshing floor. Now, here's what a threshing floor was. The threshing floor was a big open area, and it was exposed to the elements. So the wind would be blowing through. There wasn't like a bunch of trees or plants or anything or buildings. They didn't want the wind to be stopped. They wanted the wind to blow across the threshing floor. And then what would happen is they would take all of the wheat, and they would smash it out and smash it out, and all of the chaff would shh and the wind blowing through there would just blow it off into the breeze just nothingness gone blown away and psalm 1 says this is the path of those who are not rooting their lives in the scriptures now psalm 1 is not saying that people who don't read the bible are worthless Don't walk away and say, Andrew said that people who don't read the Bible are worthless. That is not what I'm saying. Every person, we said this in week one, lost people matter to God. There's a reason we started with that one. But here here is what I'm saying. When we're not building on this firm foundation of God's wisdom, we're trying to make our own way, trying to make our own wisdom, trying to build on our own foundation. There, there's nothing of substance there that can sustain when the wind blows through. Shh. Shh. And things blow over. Psalm 1 is, is not an accusation of, look at how terrible you are because you're not reading the Bible. Here's what Psalm 1 is. And this is why it's at the introduction to the whole book of Psalms. Psalm 1 is an invitation for all people to take the road less traveled. Psalm 1 is an, an invitation to say, listen, you don't have to build your life on things that are just going to get blown away. Psalm 1 is an invitation to drink deeply from the truths of Scripture, to build your life on on the truth that there is a God who loves you despite everything you have done. Psalm 1 is an invitation to follow the commands and the teachings of God precisely, and he will richly bless you. Here's the challenge for you and I, though. It's this. Fruit and chaff don't get revealed until harvest time. Fruit and chaff, are you guys following what I'm saying here? Fruit and chaff, there's the season. The fruit's growing, the chaff's growing right alongside it. It's all there, it's still all there, it's still all there. Then the harvest comes, and what happens? Then you see the difference between chaff and fruit. And, and here, here's my point in saying that. The the life of following God, of deeply rooting our lives and informing our lives in Scripture, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It, it, It is faithfully, daily saying, God, what are you putting before me today? How can I humbly be shaped by your wisdom, by your teaching? How can I faithfully live this out another day? How can I faithfully live this out in gospel community together 
with you? How can I faithfully live this out and uh, in, in, in such a way that it is bringing solid, something solid foundational, foundationally of substance to people who are lost? How am I living this out in such a way in a slow, measured, steady, faithful way that isn't just looking at today, but it's looking at finishing well? We have to be faithful with the scriptures. This is describing someone who doesn't just get into the, the scriptures for a season and then they kind of leave it. It's describing people who in the good times, the bad times, and the ugly times, they're simply faithful to walking out the way of being shaped by the scriptures. It's not about how we start. It's not about how we do along the way, the ups and the downs. It's about how we finish. And we have to remember that faithfully following through on the scriptures is critical to the moment when Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. What well done, you, you lived a fruitful life to the very end. The, the thing is, is you don't have to do something amazing or exceptional in order to hear well done It's not well done, good and talented servant, well done, good and smartest servant. It's simply well done, good and faithful servant. Can you be faithful every day with what God puts in front of you, not with what he's put in front of someone else? So we delight in scripture. We regularly meditate on the scripture. We, we faithfully follow scripture to the end. This is the keys to taking the road less traveled, the one that leads to a blessed and fruitful life. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.